0: This is the word of our God. And Israel set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not." Since the reading of the Lord's word this morning. Let's uh, pray and ask him to bless it. Lord Almighty, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you feed us. We come before you hungry and thirsty for the truth. Please feed us and give us this water always. Give us your Lord, or our Lord Jesus. Fill us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Humans are constantly right, on a quest to know things. We're always curious. right? We're always probing. We always want to know and understand the world around us. We want to know the what's. We want to know the why's. We want to know the how's. But because of sin, right, the reason that we want to know is often so that we can control. We want to understand electricity so we can harness it we want to understand space so that we can go into it and colonize it and conquer it we want to understand death and aging so that we can reverse it so we do experiments we put things under a microscope we dissect we interrogate that's the process by which we come to know and understand but when it comes to God both the process and the quest don't work the process doesn't work because you can't do experiments on God you can't dissect him you can't put him under a microscope and good luck interrogating him but even if you could do all these things you wouldn't ever actually know God because the Bible has a radically different understanding of what it means to know God because when the Bible says to know God it doesn't mean to understand information about God but you could have the catechism question, what is God memorized, and still not know him? Because to know him means you love him. To know him means you trust him. To know him means you know who he is and who you are before him. But if the process that we often take doesn't get us there, then how can we know God? Because he's different from us. The only way we can know him is not if we go find him, but if he comes to find us. The only way for us to know God is if he first reveals himself to us. And this morning, in Exodus 16, the Lord reveals himself to Israel through bread. And he does that on purpose because what he's trying to show them is that while they think what they need most in life is a lot of food, he's showing them that he is the bread that they actually need. He is their God. He is their God who fills them and satisfies them. He is their God who provides bread in the wilderness. He is the bread of heaven. And those who know him will never go hungry. That's the point of our passage this morning. The Lord is the bread of heaven, and those who know him will never go hungry. So let's remember where we are. As you remember our last passage in Exodus 15, Israel grumbles in the wilderness because they don't have water. Um, they come to this place, Marah, where the water is bitter. And they say, well, we can't drink this. So what are we going to drink, God? And so they grumble. And the Lord responds to their grumbling by turning the bitter water sweet through the tree. And then they come to the resting place of Elim, this, this paradise in the middle of the desert. But now they have to move on. So they set out from Elim. It's been about two or three months since they left uh, Egypt. And they're somewhere between Egypt and Sinai. We don't know exactly where they are, but they're in the desert proper. They're in the wilderness. They're not in civilization. And they're getting hungry. So in verse 2, the whole congregation of Israel says, they grumble against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel, this is verse 3 now, people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In other words better to have been killed by God with a full stomach than to die starving in the wilderness. It's like they're saying well I'm going to die either way I'd rather die full. I'd rather die with food in my mouth. At least then my belly won't be grumbling. So in their eyes, right, what is a bigger threat? God or starvation? And in their eyes, to starve is worse than to be killed by God. But the Lord is going to teach them that starvation is not the biggest threat Israel is facing. The biggest threat they are facing is unbelief. And that's illustrated by the fact that Israel is grumbling five minutes after the Lord just provided them sweet water to drink miraculously. And why do they grumble again so soon? It's because they don't know God. They don't trust Him. Clearly, They don't trust him because they accuse him of bringing them into the wilderness to kill them. It's not the first time they've accused God of doing that. That's the real problem. That's the real threat Israel is facing. They don't trust him. And the Lord understands this. Let's read verse 4. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So at first glance, right, it seems like here's God capitulating again, giving in to Israel's demands. When will he finally put his foot down for these grumbling people? It seems like he's not addressing the root problem. But that's only on the surface. The Lord is is actually addressing their root problem of unbelief. Because first he tells them that they shall gather only one day's portion every day. In other words, they will not be allowed to store it up for themselves. Because what would happen if they stored it up? They would trust their storehouses, they would trust their stockpiles, and not God. So by only giving them a day's portion every day, the Lord is saying, I will give you bread, but you must still trust me to provide that bread every day. And secondly, the Lord calls this bread from heaven a test. In other words, Exodus 16 is not about the bread itself. God is doing something through it. It's like God is performing heart surgery on Israel and the bread is his scalpel. It's what's exposing the problem. It's his tool to teach them what they need to know. And what they need to know is they need to trust God. They need to know him, to trust him, to believe who he, that he is who he says he is. And until that procedure is complete... That bread will not satisfy them. Same as the sweet water didn't satisfy them. Because without faith, they're just going to find something else to grumble about. Because the problem is not empty bellies. The problem is that they think they can't live without bread. They think that without bread, they have no life. But the reality is, they can't live without God. Because you could have all the bread in the world, but if you don't know God, you have no life. It's like um, the dwarves in the C.S. Lewis book, The Last Battle, uh, at the very end. Do you remember them? These dwarves who are for the dwarves, nobody will take us in. Right? There these dwarves are sitting in the middle of Aslan's country, a beautiful country. There's trees laden with fruit. And the Lord, or the Azlan puts a feast in front of them, right? a delicious feast with every kind of food imaginable in front of these dwarves. And they're sitting there eating and drinking. But to their eyes, they don't see Azlan's country. They don't taste the feast. They think that they're in a dark stable, eating straw and drinking muddy water. That's what unbelief does. No amount of bread, no amount of feasting, no amount of beauty will ever convince you that you're not in a dark stable if you don't believe. So what the Lord is doing in Exodus 16 is about far more than bread. He's exposing their problem of unbelief and he's addressing that problem. So sure enough... All right, Moses and Aaron also understand this. So verse six and seven. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. The Lord is going to show them his glory. And they are going to know who he is. But it's not the only thing that will happen in the morning. Because read verse 8. And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but the Lord. Right? We see clearly that Moses is exasperated. He, he has to stop mid-sentence because he's like frustrated with this grumbling people. Because they don't get it. This is the Lord you're talking about and you're grumbling against him. This is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And you're mad at him because you think that he wants to kill you. If he wanted to kill you, he would have done it back in Egypt. I want you to notice something specific. I want you to notice what happens, that two things happen in the morning. The first is that they shall see the glory of the Lord, in verse 7. And the second is that they shall eat bread to the full, in verse 8. Those two things happen at the same time. They will see God's glory, and they will be filled with bread. Because the Lord is teaching them that He is the God who fills them. That they, yes, you can have bread to the full, but it's not about the bread, it's about God. God is the one who fills you. God is the one who provides for you. God is the one that you're grumbling against. What He's teaching them is that God is their bread. They cannot live without him. You cannot live without him. Have you ever grumbled against God? I'm willing to bet you have. And I'd even say that you've probably grumbled against God when you've lost something, lost someone, or when you lack something. But the real problem behind grumbling is not loss, the real problem behind grumbling is not lack, it's unbelief. It's the fact that you don't believe that God is all you need. Thankfully, the Lord is patient with grumbling people, isn't he? Because here's Israel, grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. How many times in our passage is the word, word grumble come up? And how many times is the bread sent from heaven because God has heard their grumbling? right verse 8 you will eat bread in the evening and morning bread to the full sorry meat in the evening bread to the full in the morning because the lord has heard your grumbling because the lord understands that it's not about the bread the problem is that they need to see god they need to know him they need to trust him they need to believe him And so God gives bread to a bunch of people who don't deserve it. Because He wants them to see that He is their bread. He is the bread that comes down from heaven. Because He is the one who comes down from heaven to show Himself to His people so that they may know Him. Verse 10 verse 9 and 10, sorry. Moses said to Aaron, Say to the congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now we haven't talked a lot about the glory of the Lord, but we've talked a lot about the cloud. And if you remember back when the pillar of cloud was leading Israel, we talked about how the cloud represents the Spirit of God. And the glory of the Lord is the very presence of God through His Spirit. It is, it is God coming down from heaven to touch earth. And as we've seen before, when, when the Spirit of God shows up, creation happens. The Spirit of God hovering over the, the chaotic waters of creation. He is there to create, to bring life to this place that has no life. And the text has been leading us already to think that God is doing something similar here. Because we have repeated multiple times. In the evening, you'll eat meat. And in the morning, you'll have bread. Evening and morning. How often do we say evening and morning? You'd normally say morning and evening, right? That just sounds better. It's like saying, well, what are the cons and pros? That doesn't sound right. So it's telling us that God is doing something intentional. Because the last time that evening and morning happened, it was Genesis 1. There was evening and there was morning. The first day. And then there's the fact that the Spirit of God, the glory of the Lord, comes into the wilderness. Verse 10. Why the wilderness? Because it's barren and lifeless. But the Spirit of God descends from heaven to give life to this barren life, world. That's what he did in creation. He descended and gave life to a lifeless place. And he comes into the wilderness to fill it with bread and with meat. He's the God who comes down to make the wilderness a buffet table. He can turn even the most barren place on planet earth into a smorgasbord. And then as his glory descends, he says in verse 12, the Lord says to his people, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. They will be filled with bread, and they will know him. They will come to trust him as he fills them. And if he is the bread of heaven then what must happen for them to know him is he himself is going to have to fill them. Not simply with bread because we've already said that no amount of bread in the world can fix unbelief. The only thing that will fix Israel's true problem is to be filled with God. And those who are filled with God Don't need anything else. This word filled shows up, not just in our passage. It shows up a lot of times elsewhere in scripture. It actually shows up a lot of the times when the spirit of God or the glory of the Lord shows up. The glory of the Lord comes down into the wilderness here and Israel is filled with bread. The glory of the Lord descends upon the tabernacle and fills it. The glory of the Lord descends upon the temple and fills it. The glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth. And in Acts 2, the Spirit of God descends upon the apostles and he fills them. He fills his people. And those who, fill him, who are filled by him do not need anything else. Because it's like what Jesus said in gospel, the Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The point of Exodus 16 is that Jesus is the bread of heaven. And if you know him, you will never hunger. If you know him... You have everything you will ever need, forever. Because Jesus is the true bread. He is the bread who satisfies. Earthly bread can't. You eat it, you get hungry five minutes later. But when you're filled with Jesus, that hunger for what is true and good and eternal is satisfied. But the only way you can get there, the only way you can know Jesus, is if he shows himself to you. And he did that on the cross. Because the cross is where Jesus showed himself. It's where heaven came down to earth and was crucified. Died and buried. And then he rose again. And ascended in glory. And now we look forward to when he will come again. With glory. And on that day the whole earth will see God's glory. And we will know God. And we shall never hunger. We shall never thirst. we'll be with our Savior Jesus forever. So how appropriate is it that at the apex of our worship service we come before a table where we eat bread right, God loves to make himself known through bread he did it in Exodus 16 he says that he is the bread and John and now here we come to the supper where we get to eat bread where the Lord shows himself to us by providing the bread of heaven Himself. Because this table is not about filling our bellies. Because that's not the point. This table is about receiving God. This table is about God making Himself known to you. And this table is about God Himself filling you and giving you everything you need. And in His grace, He gives it freely. So I'd like to invite the elders forward so that we can receive this meal. Uh, I'm still recovering from a cold, so I'm not going to touch the elements. I'll stay up here, uh, but the elders will still distribute it. Lord, we give thanks for all that you've done for us. Thank you for giving yourself, and thank you for your son. Father, please work faith in our hearts. Please take away our grumbling hearts and take away all the parts of us that want to trust in the world. Help us to trust you to believe in you, to believe that you are all we need, and to be content and joyful in you. Fill us, Lord, by your Spirit. And thank you for all that you've given us. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.